Good morning, saints. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. So I invite you to take your Bibles and uh, turn or scroll to Proverbs chapter 3. We are in a sermon series on wisdom. We're rooting this series in the book of Proverbs. Today, as Sandy mentioned, we, we focus on a beloved passage, uh, one that for many of us is well known. And if you grew up in a Christian setting, you might have uh, been told this a time or two by your Sunday school teacher, by your parents, and so forth. Uh, we are furthering our disposition towards wisdom. What our disposition is towards God's wisdom. And I'd like to begin this morning with a little congregational participation, if you will. There's a picture that is from this past week, and I'd like to ask you a few questions about said picture. What do you see in the picture? This is not, not a trick question. This is your opportunity to talk in the middle of a sermon. Um, what do you see in that picture? You see sunglasses, a suitcase. You see me. I am indeed in that picture. Tried to disguise myself with the shades, but that did not work. Um, it's a selfie. Garage door. I actually put this to the kids this past week in power camp. They noted that my, my neighbor's wires are hanging out of his house. Um, you see grass. You see a driveway. Uh, we see a tree. Yes. Um, what's that? I am indeed wearing an FCA t-shirt. That's what we do when we speak at an FCA uh, event. Um, interestingly, uh, the crowd of 8 to 12 year olds this past week, they said the exact same thing. So we're all on the same wavelength here this morning. So we're going to fade out the picture for a moment, and I want to tell you the story behind this picture. Many of you know that my uncle was here this past week. Uh, he, fl he flew out. They flew out on Friday. Uh, they had been in the States for about a month or so, and during that time, they went up to visit some dear friends in Canada. That's my uncle and his two young adult kids, Joe and Ella. They spent about a week in Canada. This is a couple that actually my uncle had officiated their wedding. Unfortunately, when they came back down to the States, uh, they were going to be staying with us. They came back on Friday, a week ago Friday, and the airline lost all of their luggage, unfortunately, which is yeah, it's, it's kind of a, an inconvenience. Um, so they were without luggage for at least two or three days. Um, and as I said, this is an inconvenience. And they knew that they could run up to Target or Walmart if they needed to, you know, we live right near there. They could replace a lot of these things. But uh, that was my Uncle Rob and Joe, my cousin Ella, she's 19. Um, her suitcase was a little different. She had slipped in her suitcase right before they left uh, some pieces of jewelry and such, earrings and a necklace that were her mom's. Her mom passed away of brain cancer 10 years ago. So she has lived most of her life without her mom. So let me go back to what I said earlier. It was an inconvenience, you know, it always is to lose your suitcases, but it's not the end of the world. For Ella, there was no amount of compensation that could cover the worth and the value and the preciousness of what was in her 
suitcase. So uh, they came back on Friday. Um, nothing. I mean, it was really hard working with it. I mean, it's just it's a t- tough time right now. We're calling the airline, trying to get things. Didn't hear anything. So Monday, we went to Ocean City for the day in the afternoon and the evening. We got back late at night, and we came home. It was like 11 o'clock or so. And we pulled up, and there were suitcases on our front porch. Yeah, we were all so happy. But that was quickly dashed. There were only two. Ella's wasn't there. So she then, you know, kind of fell into some despondency because she just thought, well, you know, they haven't even talked to us in three days. Like they haven't even acknowledged this. We've been trying to call them and um, they have they've just lost the bag. You know, so she was really upset, understandably so. So that was Monday night, Tuesday afternoon. I zip home. No one else was home. And there was a phone call that I received before I left. They made me the person of contact. And, they, and the guy said, my name is so-and-so. I have your one remaining suitcase, and I'm going to drop it off right now. I said, fantastic. I said, do me one favor. Stay. We're going to get there about the same time. Do not drive away. I wanted to make sure this was Ella's suitcase and not, you know, some random guy from Alabama or something. So, so we got there at about the same time, and, and it was indeed. Now I want to flash this picture up again. So that was indeed her suitcase. I said, sir, would you mind? I explained the entire story to him. And he started crying. I mean, he was just so touched i mean he's like i'm just doing my job i'm a delivery guy i'm just delivering luggage and people are normally mad at me they take out all their frustration on me i'm just and he was so touched by the value and the part that he played and so i said would you mind if i just take a picture with you because no one was home i wanted to send it over to ella so she could see with her own eyes that that suitcase was there and so we took a few moments and he you know Dried out his eyes, and we got to know each other a little bit, and, and, uh, and that's the picture. So now here's my question. What do you see in the picture? Now that you know the story, now that you know the value, it changes your perception of what you see. I mean, understandably, when I first flashed it up, okay, you know one of the people in there, and there's some random dude in there. We don't know who he is. There's a bag, you know, and that's a pretty unexciting picture. But now you know the rest of the story. Saints, this is how God wants us to value and cherish and pursue wisdom. He wants us to see the value of it. He wants us to see how helpful God's perspective over ours is. This is the verse we looked at last week, Proverbs 2. I've put some highlights in here. My son, if you receive my words, and watch the language that he uses. No word of God is ever wasted. If you receive my words, right? That's step number one, right? Accept it. And treasure my commandments, making your ear attentive. There's a choice there. I'm going to incline my ear to wisdom, incline your heart 
to understanding. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Do you see the pursuit there? This is not half-hearted. I am telling you with that third suitcase, it was all hands on deck. I won't mention the airline, but they heard from me many, many multiple times over that weekend in our pursuit of that suitcase. Then, he says, you will understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. What we talked about last week was let us not be lackadaisical in pursuing God's wisdom. We talked about the fear of the Lord recently. This is a key verse. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9, is the beginning of wisdom. You don't even get to wisdom until you reverence God. Recently, we've seen these fantastic images from space, thanks to the James Webb Space Telescope. I am not your resident scientist, but I can appreciate, as all of us can, the grandeur and the beauty and the vastness of these images that we now have. I am told that that little knob to your left, up at the top, maybe it's your right, right up there, between that and the little valley is like eight light years or something like that. Basically, look at what God has done. As Harry prayed, by wisdom, God founded the earth and the universe and so forth. And the beauty of what scripture tells us is Psalm 8. When I consider the stars in the heavens, who am I that you're mindful of me? You actually, you know me. You know me intimately. I'm not just a number. I submit to you that the fear of the Lord is best understood in this way. Look at that image again. To acknowledge the glory and the power and the wisdom and the vastness of who God is. And to order our steps accordingly under his headship. Comforted and secure in the love and the care that he has for us. To acknowledge the glory, the power, the wisdom, the vastness, etc. of who God is. And then to intentionally order our steps accordingly under his headship. Comforted all the way by the love and the care That he has for us individually. Imagine God made all of that. And he knows you. And he loves you. And he is acquainted with all of your ways. And he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Not only do I know you. Not only are you known to me, your hardships and your trials and your decisions and all of those things. But not only that, but I will never leave you. Ever. 
It's so beautiful. So let's look at today's text. Proverbs chapter 3. I told you we'd get there eventually. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Years ago, for those of you who remember Pastor Steve, I covered for Pastor Steve when I was not the pastor. I preached one Sunday, and I preached from a very familiar psalm. And I'll never forget, I was taken aback. There was a brother who no longer had moved a number of years ago, but very mature brother in the Lord. And he just thanked me profusely. And here's what he said. I just needed to hear that again. I think this sermon this morning may not fall under the category of learning a whole lot of new things. But I believe it is most definitely a concept that is so central to knowing and walking the Lord that we need to be reminded in this very uncomplicated concept over and over again, and encouraged in it. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. The call to trust in the Lord is a beautiful call, but it is not a call to half-hearted trust or obedience. This call is to trust the Lord completely and to trust him exclusively. It is a recognition that God's ways are higher than our ways and that his thoughts are higher and greater than ours. It just might be in that pickle that you currently find yourself in that I Don't mean to say this disrespectfully, but you might learn something from him. He might be able to shed light on what is before you. And notice it is not merely speaking to our thoughts or our opinions, but we are to trust him with all of our heart, all of our being. We're to trust him. It is a call to trust him completely in the big decisions of life and also in the small, mundane, daily things before us. It is a call to put feet to our faith, to act on what we believe is true, even and especially and frankly, often, when we don't completely understand things ourselves. But here's the thing. By calling us to trust God completely and to not lean on our own understanding, we are being called to the best possible place. The safest and the strongest possible place in life. And I would add the most comforting place in life. 
Consider for a moment the book of Romans. Some would call the book of Romans the Mount Everest of the New Testament. Arguably the most impactful Bible book for so many. It so clearly lays out the righteousness of God, the power of the gospel, and the truth of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Completely countercultural, religiously speaking. It's a monumental epistle. All of them are important. But I'm driving home a point. What is contained in the book of Romans is extraordinary. Have you ever asked yourself a question? When Paul finished writing the book of Romans, what was his, the last thing he said? Ah, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn or scroll to the book of Romans. After all that Paul said, after all that the Spirit led Paul to say, how did he say goodbye? How did he, he say, you know, it's been really nice chatting with you here. He actually didn't say any of that. After a number of personal greetings, look at the very, very last verse. Romans chapter 16, verse 27. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. So be it. Amen. All of the precious, deep, transformative truth in the book of Romans. All Paul has to say at the end of all of that is glory to God. Glory to God. There is one among us who is all wise. His name is not Paul. His name is God Almighty. That's how he summed it all up. That's what he could muster when he said goodbye. After all these glorious truths in the book of Romans was glory to God. He is all wise. The wisdom of God is seen so clearly in salvation. But there's more. Turn to Romans chapter 11. Because you're already there. Like most epistles. Epistle means letter. Like most New Testament letters. There's, a, there's an all too predictable kind of pattern that, that Paul especially will follow. He'll give you like choice stake. I mean theology and doctrine and teaching. It is not fluffy. And he'll give that to you. And then after a number of chapters, depending on the letter, he will then say, okay, he'll use the word therefore. In light of all that I've just said, so here's how you flesh it out. So in the book of Romans, that, that, it, it has that set up. It's 11 chapters of doctrine, of theology, of truth that we need to know. And then in chapter 12, you can look, you can look at it, chapter 12, there is the... I appeal to you, therefore, right? In light of all that I've said, here's how you are to live. But let's, 
let's look at how Paul ends that little subsection of God's of his doctrine and his teaching in the gospel. Look at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. That's what Paul has to say at that point. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory. So be it. Do you see the wisdom theme? Paul closes out 11 chapters of solid theology and he praises God. He, he simply steps back and he says, praise and glory be to God. He is so wise. It's the bookends of what we see in the book of Revelation. And this is what Proverbs is calling us to. This is what the Spirit is saying all throughout scriptures, especially in Proverbs chapter 8, where he talks about wisdom lifting her voice up in the marketplace, saying, why would you die of stupidity when I'm right here? All throughout scripture. In his monumental work, The Existence and the Attributes of God, Stephen Sharnock in the 1600s, persuasively argued that God is all wise originally. That is, he is the originator of true wisdom. Wisdom begins with God, which is exactly what we saw in Proverbs chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He made several really Engaging arguments. He said God is the wise one perfectly. There is no cloud upon his understanding. He is the wise one perpetually. His wisdom is inseparable from his person. His wisdom never decays. Nor is he replaced as the one who is all knowing. Saints, he is the all-wise one incomprehensibly. We cannot plummet, plummet the depth of his wisdom, which is why it is best for us to come to him for wisdom, not only when we think we need it, but even when we don't think we need it. Beloved, he would continue, he is all-wise infallibly. Even the wisest among us, falls into error or makes a bad decision from time to time. And we probably know people we've looked up to as wise people. And we think, why did he or she just do that? Not so with God. Brothers and sisters, we could go on and on. Theology is the great foundation of righteous and consistent Christian living. When God calls us 
to trust him completely and to not lean on our own understanding, he is calling us to a good place. He is calling us to the best place. He loves us. And he truly wants the best for us. There are so many benefits to what he is saying here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, your heart, with all of your being. Saints, stop and make time to study God's word long and often. Be prayerful in making decisions big and small. Do not hesitate to ask others for counsel. Because even as we personally seek to do the right thing, we all know we have biases, we have backgrounds, we have perspectives, and it's good to welcome in counsel of wisdom. Friends, the general principle here is so clear. He will make our paths straight. He will untangle the mess that we often find ourselves in. Have you ever faced what feels like an impossible decision? So many options. You don't know which way is up or down. Do I go left or right? Trust him. Have you ever genuinely thought or tried to do the right thing and you say to yourself, I literally have no idea what I'm doing at this moment? Like, I literally have no idea. I believe this is what God wants me to do, but I actually don't know what I'm doing. I've been there. Trust him. Trust him as you follow him, as you follow his truth, and as people affirm that you are doing the right thing, the way will become clear. God will not let you down when your sincere desire is to honor him. And you're open to godly input. The sun will rise and cast light on your way. Saints, trust in the Lord. He will not let you down. Again, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I love this contrast. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Verse 15. Remember, Jeremiah is a friendly prophet to the Israelites who were completely at this point ignoring God, doing their own thing. But Jeremiah creates a contrast And he will utilize language actually from the book of Psalms. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his own strength. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. So there's the opposite of blessings coming on the one who, number one, trusts in 
him, his or herself in man's wisdom. Making their strength not in the Lord, but in ourselves. And what is manifestly true in every situation like that is their heart has turned away from God. That's just the truth. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He will dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. That's not really where you want to make your home is what he's getting at. And it all goes back to this. Has your heart turned away from God? Are you trusting in him? Are you trusting and obeying him? Or are you doing your own thing? Your ideologies, your thoughts, the direction of life, and so forth. Now here's the contrast, verse 7. Blessed, on the other hand, is the man who trusts in the Lord. Well, what's his life like? I mean, the other guy is out like in a deserted salt land in the middle of the desert. Little, you know, little, I can't remember what they're called. Those little um, things that blow around in the desert. You know, those, thank you very much. Thank you for completing my thought. Um, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And this is what he's like. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its root to this by the stream and doesn't fear when heat comes. We all know life is difficult. For its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it doesn't cease to bear fruit. Do you see what Jeremiah is telling us there? There really are two choices in life, generally speaking. You're going to go with the Lord or you're going to go against the Lord. I mean, that's kind of how he boils it down. When, we, when our heart turns away from God, it's like we're in a parched desert. Not exactly where you want to be. But conversely, when your heart is with the Lord, when you're trusting him, when you're seeking him, when you have not written, out, written him nor his truth out of your life, you will flourish even though the circumstances around you are terrible. Because we are not spared from the hardships in life. But the catch is God is with you. God is giving strength. God is helping you. And as your brother in the Lord, as your fellow sojourner through life, seeking my best to follow Christ, I just want to encourage you with all that I have. Trust him. Trust him when you think you know the way. Trust him especially when you don't. Make it your ambition to seek his wisdom. My purpose in showing that picture earlier on is that we cannot be lazy. We cannot pursue God's wisdom half-heartedly because our return will be in accordance with that. And we all know we have so many distractions in life. So many things that can pull us away. I want to encourage you, seek God's wisdom, but then act on it. Trust him. It can be so hard sometimes. Sometimes we need to break through our own pride. Sometimes we have to work through our own misgivings and fear and questions and all of those things. But I want to assure you, 
He loves you. He cares for you. He literally spun all the stars into space. And Hebrews 1.3 says that Christ upholds them all by the word of his power. And he lives in you. One last verse. We're going to go to the book of John. John chapter 8. One of the things that I love about scripture is when we say that the scriptures are inspired by God, that is they're ultimately written by God through human instruments, through human hands, through, through authors, we see their different personalities and such. We see these reoccurring themes and we see, you know, one truth earlier on in scripture, like hundreds of years earlier being fully uh, affirmed um, by the Lord but through different ways and in different people. But this is our Lord Jesus himself. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. All kinds of people lay all kinds of claims to being Christ followers. Oftentimes, sadly, they're following their own imagination of who they think Jesus is or what he teaches or this or that. I believe this is one of the most consequential and yet often overlooked verses in all of Scripture. He is defining for us what it means to follow Jesus. And spoiler alert, it's not your emotions. It's not your all-knowing wisdom of what you think the world should be. It is an acceptance and a reverential obedience to what God has already said. God's word, God's truth, specifically Jesus' teaching... That's our straight edge. And remember when we talked about God being the original wise one, the infallible wise one, the one who never changed? It doesn't change from generation to generation. We don't make up the rules every generation because now, well, we know more than the generation before us. A key verse that we looked at from Jeremiah chapter 6, remember he said, stand at the road, and you're at the fork in the road, he said, stand. You're going to go in one of two ways. That's... The prophetic voice all the time. You got two options. It's God or everybody else. He said, stand and ask for the ancient paths. God's truth. Because God does not improve his wisdom. He doesn't learn things. Oh, I'm so glad that I've now been informed about that. So let me go back and change what I said over here. Intentional trust and obedience to Jesus' teaching, to the word, the revealed truth of God. That's what shows you to be truly a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Now look at the glorious result of when we do that. It's the very next verse. Verse 32. And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? It'll set you free. Beloved, there is so much freedom in following the Lord. 
not always easy, often countercultural. Oftentimes we have to work through our own issues, like I said, our pride or our misgivings, our doubts, our questions, all those things. But I can tell you this, when we intentionally trust in the Lord, when we make a conscious decision to trust him big and small, it brings such freedom and such beauty to our lives. Amen. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. As we close in prayer, or at least this part of the service, I just want to give us a moment of kind of quiet reflection. Like I said, this is one of those timeless passages that we just need to be reminded of what God says. We need to be reminded that it doesn't always come easily or naturally to trust in the Lord. But oh, it's the best thing to do. Not only is it the right thing to do, but it actually is the best thing for us. So with all of my heart, as I said, as your fellow brother in Christ, I just want to encourage you to do just that. You do not understand everything. Neither do I. There are some profound questions that many of us will have For the Lord when we see him. But I also believe when we see him. So much will dissipate. When we see him in his beauty. And his glory. And we know that we're with him forever. Lord God thank you. We just give you praise. As Paul did. As I can only imagine. What was going through his mind. As he's being led by your spirit. To pen the book of Romans. All praise to you. All glory to you. We confess our own deficiencies and our gaps in knowledge and in wisdom. And we acknowledge you as the all-wise God. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to work through the obstacles that we face to do just that. Show us again and again that you love us that you care for us, that you will not let us go. Thank you for the simple and powerful truth of the gospel as countercultural as it is on every level and in every generation. We have a problem that is bigger than us, that we cannot resolve ourselves but oh lord the provision that you have given us in jesus christ christ jesus died for sinners he rose from the dead will we turn to the lord jesus christ alone as our savior abandoning our efforts to work it out ourselves Abandoning our efforts to bring just maybe a little bit to the table. But humbling ourselves and realizing we cannot solve it. But turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith. 
to be reconciled to you and to be saved. Lord, we pray if there is but one person who has not put their faith in you, their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of their salvation. For those of us who know him, who do love you, increase our love for you, increase our love for those around us, increase our joy, our peace, our confidence in walking not only with you, but with one another. That we would truly be salt and light. That we would be good news to those around us. That we would have strength for yet another day. Lord, help us to not only trust you, but to encourage those around us to trust you. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.